Last year, we came across an article by PEWtrust.org. The headline reads, Where are all the black hemp farmers? Within this article, it goes on to talk about how the black farmers have been long discriminated against by lending institutions like the USDA. And with limited population of growers, land, resources, and sometimes access to the information uh, of networks that enables farmers to move quickly, they could be left behind again with hemp. So on this episode, I want to make sure you have all the information you need in order to enter into the hemp industry. I'm DJ Motri of the Black Equity Network, and welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. Black Equity listeners, we are here for another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast. This is going to be very exciting. We've never had a conversation uh, around hemp and around the conversation uh, dealing with hemp. And so we actually have a subject uh, matter expert on the line. Uh, Patrick Brown, are you there? Yes. Good evening. Welcome. Good evening to you. Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. For those who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Uh, my name is Patrick Brown, and I'm a third generation farmer from Warrington, North Carolina. Um, I've been farming alongside my dad for 18 years. Um, we are soybean, tobacco, wheat, and now industrial hemp commodity farmers. Um, I'm excited about the North Carolina Industrial uh, Pilot Program for Hemp, providing research to the state through North Carolina State University and North Carolina A&T, as well as being able to market our product line to customers throughout the United States and internationally. And what is the name of your company? Hempfinity. Now, where did that name come from? Well, um, 
actually it was a name that we kind of came up with me and my business partner mm-hmm. um once we were uh started talking about that for futuristic ways of cannabinoid research we said hey we need to go ahead and trademark that logo because one day that can prof- probably be our our product line and actually that's what happened what else would you like to know well uh you're giving us a really great foundation here you mentioned hemp being a super plant so let's kind of dive into that what exactly is hemp and uh kind of break down why it's important for our culture so hemp is a superfood is a super fiber a super nutrient and a super ingredient hemp stalks which include bass fiber is one of the strongest and most durable all natural fibers Hemp can be used to make textile products, including clothing, carpeting, upholstery. Hemp fiber can be used in a nanotechnology materials for supercompactors that show promise in our outperforming graphene as a fraction at the fraction of, of the price. Um, hemp herd, the inner wood core of the hemp stalk, can be used for building materials. It can produce carbon neutral to carbon negative homes, depending on binder and finished recipes, bioplastics, composites, paper, inks, paints, adhesives, fillers, and a myriad of other competitors. Even better, using hemp reduces the carbon footprint of most of all industries. So hemp is a very well-rounded plant, and for the health-conscious Hemp can be derived into CBD and other cannabinoid products for both ingestible tropicals and successful uh, pain, such as treating things like pain, anxiety, sleep, depression, health, skin health, brain health, and either certain types of epilepsy. So it's well-rounded, a well-rounded plant. It can be produced for textile industries all the way to the health Awesome. So why is it now that hemp is becoming more mainstream? Why not 20 years ago? You mentioned the farm being in your family for over 100 years. So why not 100 years ago was was hemp something that we were paying attention to? Well, that's a great question. So if we go back to World War II, Mm -hmm. the United States government used industrial hemp to make ropes for parachutes. Okay. Um, Back then, after the war was over, they could not find any use for this type of material. So um, industrial hemp at that time was still registered under the uh, what we call it, the Schedule C, narcotic drugs prohibited list, which it was just removed um, in, I think it was the Farm Bill 2018, which took that particular, this particular cannabis plant off of that uh, Schedule C list. So it's no longer derived from that. So it's been prohibited for that long wow um for us in 2016 the state of north carolina um allowed this plant to be useful again in the commodity process of agriculture in the state of north carolina um it was allowed to go through a pilot program where it is where it is today it's still considered an industrial pilot program has not been set into law for the state for commodity crop uh, forever just yet but it gives us the opportunity to research and provide what the farmers have done in the state of North Carolina to uh, North Carolina A&T and North Carolina State University 
as well as to the USDA. So if we, if we can show economic growth in the state, then maybe it will be a natural commodity crop forever. Now, that, that brings up some questions here. As, as, a, as a black farmer, was it, did you see any type of blockage once this became something that was going to be available and people realized how powerful this plant was? Uh, did you see anything uh, that was preventing you from being able to access it? Um, I wouldn't say anything that prevented us from it. Um, we did get a lot of discouragement okay. from the community um, because, of course, it was a taboo. Everything associated with industrial hemp, people would associate with marijuana, Yeah, um, which is two separate plants, but they look alike, they smell alike, and you can't tell the difference in the two. So um, the taboo in our community was, you know, what would people say about it? But the whole problem was they didn't have an education behind the plant. So what we tried to do in my organization, the Connect Group LLC, we tried to consult with some of the farmers that have been, to be honest, set in their ways, don't really understand how to grow the plant or don't know much about it because, because all they want to think about is the psychological effect that a plant like this may have over someone. When, when in all actuality, the industrial hemp plant has no psychological effect because the THC level is less than 0.3%. So, um, so, so we really didn't have any type of uh, feeling towards not getting involved other than just getting people on board. And so once I started growing it in my neighborhood, that's when so many people wanted to volunteer and people wanted to learn. And we were able to, you know, at that point, start to educate people on the plant because now we see people that's that's showing interest which is what we wanted to do that was the main concept of our program is to try to get people involved get people to ask questions get people to come by the farm and volunteer and then also help people fill out their application and go through the application process um it's not expensive to get your license so we just wanted to educate folks because most of the time, people have to read and actually do their own due diligence to find out exactly what type of programs and benefits come along with these type of programs to their local ag office or the extension office. So I would say um, we're now more motivated now than, you know, anything holding us back. So just to make sure we make this clear for those who are listening, hemp is not the same as marijuana. Is that correct? That is that is correct. And the and the thing one of the things that makes it separate is the THC levels. And for those who don't know, THC is that uh, part of marijuana that people use in order to, um, I, I guess you can say, get high or the uh, right. the hallucination. Uh, I forget what that word is, but that's what they use in order to uh, uh, get high and be able to use it as a drug. You're saying hemp doesn't have that, or if it does, it's very low levels. Yes, it's low level. It's not enough to give you that neurological effect that your mind thinks, you know, you feel like you are floating or feel like, you know, you're calm and collective where, you know, you don't, you know, know what's going on and things like that, that marijuana may cause. But um, it doesn't have that effect. And that's, and that is the law that, 
this program is under, you, your your plants cannot exceed the level of zero point three percent THC. Got you. So then, someone would then say, then why was it, why was it banned all this time, or why was it, you know, on that Schedule C? Why was it kind of lumped in, uh, you know, with with those types of uh, other plants? Well, um, because of how it looks, okay, what it looks like to the common eye. Um, that's one of the things that we're going through with the state of North Carolina law enforcement. The ability to be able to test the two plants and tell the difference in between in, in between the two instead of having to automatically assume that a person that has industrial hemp in their hand is also has also has marijuana. Um, so I just think, you know, they just feel or the law enforcement feel or the or the or the government that's being involved in, or the pharmaceutical industries that they're talking against him, they just feel like, you know, it's stopping them from other things that they may, you know, try to go against. Like for example, law enforcement needs probable cause to get to a further arrest. The 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 pharmaceutical industry doesn't want you or me to be able to go out and get natural causes for healing. Instead, they feel like that we should continue using opioids or other drugs to cause our pain when a natural drug or a natural uh, medicine like hemp can do the same things. Right. And so this this plant from the things that I've studied, it's really impacting, uh, has, a, has the potential to impact things on the economic side, things on the justice Correct. side, things in politics. Uh, and mm-hmm. I mentioned even education, because if you know, certain industries don't want this plant to come out, then they're going to make sure that the proper education isn't there. And they're going to leverage the media to say, well, you know, that could be a dangerous plant. Let's focus over here. But what you're arguing and what your perspective is, well, this could be the very thing that could save your life. Correct. And and we try to not get involved in the political aspect of this plant. But just like you mentioned, um, everything, every cause has a reaction and every everything uh, that we are trying to be involved with, you could have industries such as what you mentioned that try to talk against it um, because it is a healer and it is a superconductor. So not only is it for your health benefit, but it can only also be used in manufacturing and other things like that. So one would ask, well, if you have the information and the knowledge behind uh, hemp and well, industrial hemp, why not just keep it to yourself? Why do you want others to uh, have their own farms and be able to learn about this information? Why is that important for you? Because at the end of the day, um, we are, we work with the disenfranchised farmers. Um, what we uh, are against is letting your land that has been in your family go to waste. Um a lot of people don't want to farm traditionally. A lot of people are willing to get into produce farms for commodity crops or modern day farming. Um, we look at the health benefit of farming and then eventually we can get into the textile industries and things of such. But we want to be able to live from our own land, be able to build sustainable communities, be able to get the younger generation more involved in farming. Um, Trades are being taken away from schools. People are more focused on going to a four-year college to become more in debt once they graduate. Some things that you can actually uh, utilize in your generational wealth of being 
a citizen of the United States is what's inherited into your family. You can utilize it for mass production, whether that be industrial hemp, livestock, uh, fiber crops such as socum, wheat, soybean. We can utilize these things and get young people back to farming again. And that's my main mission is to educate, grow with the community and retain your land that has been inherited in your family for generational wealth purpose. Want more access to the Black Equity Network? Perfect. I have just a solution for you. I want you to text 669-238-2434. Once again, that's 669-238-2434. I want you to text the keyword Black Equity to 669-238-2434. Now, what is that going to do? That's going to give you access to our personal Rolodex of business contacts. So every time that we have a potential business partnership, a business opportunity, someone says, hey, I want you to let people know about a job opportunity, we're going to send a message out to everybody who has text Black Equity to 669-238-2434. If I were you, I would send a text message right now. Back to the show. This sounds like a really great opportunity for those who are interested in getting into this space of agriculture. Uh, You have, uh, to me, uh, tapped into a uh, market and a uh, sector that I feel like our culture really needs to get into because it has a lot of growth potential. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. like you said, this is really only only the last few years that this has actually been made available. So you're really getting in uh, on the ground floor. Would you agree with that statement? I definitely agree. Um, Forbes has recognized this industry by 2025 as, as being worth $3.5 billion. So um, we definitely see the growth in the United States. Um, we are not the first country that has capitalized on industrial hemp. We're actually kind of late, but however, um, due to the laws and regulations, that's that hasn't been the consumer's fault. Right. So um, right now we're just trying to take advantage of the processes of research, and through research we can try to get these programs legal in all 50 states. Now, for those who they're not worried about being farmers or investors, but they want that product, for those mm-hmm. people that are listening, where can they get the CBD oil and where can they get future products from you? All right. Great question. Um, We're going to be launching our website in January with our line. It will be www.hempfinityus.com. Say that one more time. www.hempfinityus.com. Nice, nice. Beautiful. Uh, Patrick Brown, thank you so much for coming on the Black Equity Podcast to have these conversations. Now, I know you, you mentioned to me earlier that you're in the D.C. area, how much is uh, being in D.C. be able to help you understand well some of the regulations and the things that are happening, uh, I guess, on Capitol Hill and how it's mm-hmm. impacting uh, a farmer's life? How, how big of uh, an advantage is that being in the D.C. area? Uh, I would say it's a great advantage that we uh, we try to stay on board and understand the laws and regulations that come down each and every month through the congressional um, processes. Um, we stay abreast of the grants that are being issued by the USDA each and every year. 
um, through each uh, beginning of each physical year. Um, so being in the area where they make the rules and the laws throughout the United States, um, I, I feel like I'm in the best place. Um, however, when I'm here, I'm traveling back and forth to North Carolina every other weekend to work on my farm. You know, I had one more other question from a farmer's perspective. Are there sure. are there specific states where this is not a good idea due to uh, temperature and just the conditions of the land? Well, um, just like any crop that you grow, you have to to go um, through the phase of uh, soil um, soil research, um, pH levels, and things like that. Soil testing, water testing, um, the weather. Um, for cannabis, however, it's a natural grown plant. It can grow anywhere. Okay. Um, it doesn't really matter about the soil content. Um, it can survive. It's a survival plant. Um, hemp, for one thing, doesn't like a lot of water. A lot of people, um, kind of see that, you know, through research that, you know, if you, you add too much water, if it's, if it's in a wet area, it won't grow to its full potential. So that's one of the things that I had to learn when it came to irrigation, um, not watering the plant um, too much because it will die. Hemp doesn't like wet feet. That's one of the slogans that we always use. What was that process for you when you first uh, first learned about hemp and you said, well, let me let me kind of test this out? Uh, did you, did you find, like you said, with the water situation, did you find that maybe your first batch or your first, first set of crops, they didn't turn out the way you wanted to, or was it an easy adjustment? Well, uh, that was the trial and error phase for us. So, uh, this year we planted in May Mm -hmm. right after Memorial Day weekend, and we had a lot of rain. So we were able to transplant our, uh, clones into the ground from our plant beds and, into like mild moist soil um sandy loam mild moist soil and it didn't rain again for another four weeks after we planted our original um planting and we thought to ourselves wow we really need to go ahead and lay our irrigation pipes down because we are in a drought right now and we just took it as well this is our first phase of trying to figure out how long can a plant like this survive in a drought so we didn't set our irrigation um, system and we allowed those plants to continue to grow on their own. The only thing that we added was a natural organic fertilizer from uh, from bats. And um, that's all we added to our plants and they survived. So basically it was just a, a, a trial and error phase and praying to God that that crop would survive and it did. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a, that's a very uh, impactful story. Um, something else that's coming in my mind too. You just mentioned, you said bats, right? Yes. Now are these yeah. bats in North Carolina? Put me on game here. Where are these bats coming from? No, 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 no. We had to order uh bat feces actually. Right. Uh, for, for nutrients. And we, we did a compost mix, what we call a, a bloody tea. Okay. That's our name for it. And, uh, we pretty much mixed that up in 55-gallon drums, and we put that in our irrigation uh, sprayers. Okay. And we sprayed that throughout all our plants that had a yellowing in their fan leaves, which lets us know that it's lacking the nutrients to continue to grow. Now, so that was an indicator for us, just like any plant, 
whenever you have a plant leaf that's turning yellow, mm-hmm. it means that it's lacking nutrients. Mm. Turns yellow, it's lacking nutrients. Correct. I like that. Thank you for that tidbit. Um, mm-hmm. For those who are listening uh, to the episode and they've never thought about farming, they've never thought about investing, they may not even thought about getting CBD oil, um, why is it so important to consider living off the land and at least having your own your own land and, and being able to grow your own crops? Why is that important from your perspective? And my perspective is because everything these days, um, we don't know what we're eating, what we're ingesting. Um, it seems like everything is being processed for mass uh, consumption, where, you know, to me, for example, uh, the most important things that we can eat um, each and every day are fruits and vegetables. Right. Um, so if we're able to grow those fruits and vegetables on our own land without the harmful pesticides and things of such, we can help fight against uh, epidemics like cancer and other things that are going on in our in our ecosystem. So um, I feel like it's so important to be able to grow natural fruits and vegetables on your land so you'll know exactly what you're ingesting. I agree. I agree. And for one, one, one more time, how can people reach out to you if they're looking to partner with you? Give us that email again. And then if they're looking for the CBD oil uh, later this year, 2020, uh, mm-hmm. What is that uh, email? Uh, I'm sorry, that website. Uh, one more the time. email. The email address is hempfinity at yahoo.com. That's h e m p f i n i t y at yahoo.com. And our website for purchase of our orders for CBD oils would be www.hempfinityus.com. Now, if I'm emailing, should I be making this out to Patrick or who should I be? Yes. Okay. You you could, uh, you know, respond to me. My name is Patrick Brown again, and we'll be able to re- respond to that email accordingly. Awesome. What are your uh, final thoughts uh, for those who are listening to this episode? They're, they're just now being introduced to you and your company. What are your final thoughts you want the people to know? So what I tell everybody is exactly what's going on in the in the world today. Um, what we really need in the United States is to legalize all cannabis. If we're able to legalize all cannabis, that means all 50 states can research their own products of the cannabis plant to be able to increase um, education and knowledge of the plant and also be able to fight against infectious diseases, opioids, and suicide. Um, so how can people get involved? They can let their politician their local representatives know that you support him, that you support cannabis, and that everybody should be able to participate, not just a selected few. Let social media sites that censor hemp companies and their advertising know that what they're doing is dis- discriminatory, discriminatory and wrong. Complain loudly. Hemp is legal and should be promoted through all available channels. And remember, one of the best ways If you are a Black-owned business or an investor and you would like to advertise on our show, go ahead and send us a message at djm at djmoultrie.com. Now, back to the show. 
so let's talk about that. Let's let's go deeper into that. If I'm an investor and I'm looking at this situation and maybe I want to team up with some other farmers or if I'm a farmer who is currently, uh, you know, growing uh, something totally different than him, but I'm not really seeing any type of returns that I'm looking for is what is the economic side of this as far as switching over or adding this uh, to 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 the crops that I grow? What is hemp looking like on a profitability side? Okay, good question. So on a profitability side right now, we'll look at the average in the last two years of growing industrial hemp and all this pilot program, all the states that are approved for pilot programs. Not all 50 states are approved. So the average cost for a pound of industrial hemp is between $280 to $375 a pound. Okay. One acre of hemp can produce 2,500 pounds. Wow. To plant one acre of hemp, it can cost you between $1,500 to $2,500. Okay. So with that amount of uh, seeds that you can plant per acre, your yield is easily above what you invested in it. And even more of an investment or a return on investment for a person that is already established to farm industrial hemp. Um, farmers that have farmed none no-till crops, meaning crops that don't require um, don't require the land to be turned over and already have um, machinery such as tractors and equipment, they can transition with that equipment and actually grow industrial hemp. So their first year can be a profitable growing season. And once you have understood how to grow industrial hemp, um, it takes about four months from pre-growth to actual harvest. Once you're able to grow it, you can actually set up a perennial grow where you can grow year-round by building a greenhouse or if you already have a greenhouse on your property. That way, you can have mother plants that produce other clones and be able to sell those clones to other farmers that are in your community. The clones, The price for clones are between... and $3.50 per clone, Mm. which is also another part of the business commodity of growing industrial hemp. So it could be very profitable to actually grow it compared to soybeans. One bushel of soybeans is almost 60 cents. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me, let me switch a little bit here. So you've kind of uh, mastered this this process, and now you've launched your own CBD oil. Is that correct? Correct. Tell me a we little have... bit more about that and, and kind of what the process has been to get to this point. Okay, great. So um, we, we planted 18 acres this year, and we were able to harvest over 25,000 pounds. Out of that 25,000 pounds, um, 10 to 12,000 uh, pounds of biomass we use to create our own CBD oil line called Hempfinity. Hempfinity uh, will launch uh, this year, 2019, and will be um, available for resale online January 2020. Um, that particular oil is a 1500 milligram CBD oil full spectrum, which is the highest level of cannabinoid percentage. Um, that's on the market right now. 
um, that oil can pretty much uh, adhere to aches and pains, epilepsy, PTSD, anxiety, depression, um, skin health, and things like that. Um, so eventually, um, coming out in January uh, next month, actually, this is the coming up on the end of the year, we'll be able to have that 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 line online available to customers all over the world. So let's break this down. This is really exciting. I always, I'm always excited about product launches, especially something that is going to help our community. So mm-hmm. let's look at from start to finish. When did you get this idea that uh, we're going to launch a, a CBD oil? When did that idea first spark for you? Uh, I would have to say, um, I would have to say last year. Um, I, I didn't want to get in, get too much into the marketing um, of my products online or to consumers or uh, face-to-face. I wanted to let that be the last end-all be-all for our company because I wanted more to learn the aspect of growing and to be able to develop a great percentage of a cannabinoid um, biomass. But because this year was so successful, we were able with such a high cannabinoid percentage we were able to go ahead and bottle our products and actually have them available for our customers. Um, it actually wasn't something that I had expected to happen this soon. Mm-hmm. Um, because once I put my line out there, I wanted to, you know, be able to compete with various CBD lines that are currently being sold online. Um, so I would say last year. So uh, for those who are listening, they may be listening to this. Uh, during 2020. So last year for this conversation is really 2018. Is that correct? Okay. So in 2018, you have this idea and then out of nowhere, as you're learning and and trying to figure out, well, what is the best process and what you want to move with things start picking up speed for you where all these great opportunities uh, for you to kind of speed up the process begin happening. And so now we're looking at January, 2020, uh, uh, 2020, sorry, uh, you actually launching this product, what would be for those who are entrepreneurs, maybe they're not interested in CBD oil, but maybe they are looking to launch a, a, a product uh, of some sort. What has been the biggest hurdle during that time? Oh, wow. Um, I would say the process of going from crude oil to the, to be able to extract it to, um, to consumption okay. um, oil for for our customers, um, learning that process of processing, um, and actually all the hurdles we had to go through to making sure we we're using the right extraction process. Um, so that's a whole different ball game um, when it comes to that, because what we try to do is harvest our own crops and actually bottle our material for our consumption. Consum- consumption and our customers directly and um i just didn't understand the actual um process of how the quality of oil had to be for us to be able to do that so i would say that was our greatest hurdle that's what took the most of our time now uh, i know a lot of black farmers are going to be listening to this episode i'm going to make sure it gets into their hands Mm -hmm. um if they're picking up this episode uh, and they're listening to what you're saying and they're saying to themselves, wow, why haven't I thought of hemp? 
are are you going to be able to be that person that they can reach out to for consulting and to try to learn this process so maybe they don't have to go through those same hurdles that you did? Absolutely. And um, I'm glad that you asked that question because that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to take advantage of a podcast like yours is to be able to let other farmers know, to get them motivated and to be able to ask me any questions and anything I can do to help, I am open for it and um, more than excited than they could be to actually get involved because I know how I felt when I first got involved. So I'm eagerly open to that. So let's let's walk through that process a little bit. So I'm a black farmer and currently I'm growing some type of crop that's really not that profitable for me, whatever that crop may be. And um, I'm listening to this episode. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to have my wheels turn a little bit. And I know that hemp is a, a viable product and I can really see the benefits what is what is the right process to then reach out to you and figure out how can I learn from you, um, you know, how to have my own uh, my own crops of, of hemp and, and potentially, you know, work alongside you to build my own hemp oil or my own uh, thing that I can do uh, to a- extract from the actual actual plant. Great. Um, so I would say reach out to us uh, via email at hempfinity at yahoo.com. Um, we will return all inquiries within the next day. Um, and then we also exchange our information or they could, um, they could contact us and, and set up a consultation where they can maybe come out to our farm and we could actually provide some, uh, some training for whatever type of variety of, of hemp that they are trying to grow. Also, we'll be able to help with application processes for farmers that have not received their license yet in the state of North Carolina. Now, is that same process going to be open to somebody who's an investor? They've never farmed before, but they're now listening to you and they're saying, wait a second, this could be a really great investment to get into. Let me go buy land. Let me go figure out this process. Uh, Are you open to also working with that individual who has no experience in farming? Yes, I am. Um, those that want to invest in our company in the future, we will be um, setting up a crowdfund, the WeFunder, okay. eventually. Um, we, we are talking about that now um, where we can actually um, create a cooperative of different farms throughout the United States and be able to collaborate together and, you know, do business and such where we're sharing equipment um, purchasing clones from one another, maybe creating our own strand, learn how to process the harvest um, and things like that. Awesome. And actually, I've come across a few black owned crowdfunders as well. Would you be open to uh, working with them potentially uh, as a platform for the crowdfunding? Yes, absolutely. Um, we have also done um, in the past, crowdfunded with other organizations okay. um, as well. So we're very uh, interested in future investment processes such as that. Awesome, awesome. So um, what I tell everyone, um, if they want to get involved, is to let their political representative know that they support him and that you support cannabis and that everybody should be able to participate, not just a selected few. Let social media sites that censor hemp companies and their advertising 
know that what they're doing is discriminatory and wrong, complain loudly, hemp is legal and should be promoted through all available channels. And remember, one of the best ways to make a difference is to vote with your wallet by supporting organics, buying from local farmers and local businesses, by making the switch to hemp-based products. We're redirecting our society away from broken systems and towards a new future. Focus on healing ourselves, our communities, our environment, and the planet. Thank you so much, Patrick Brown. Uh, I think this is a very enlightening conversation. And I know that there will be many farmers, investors, and also consumers who are going to be reaching out to you uh, after listening to this episode. Uh, thank you again for coming on the Black Equity Podcast. Thanks for having me. We are truly grateful for today's guest. If you are interested in becoming an approved Black Equity Strategic Partner with this company or one in the past, simply send us an interest inquiry to the following email, djm at djmotri.com. Once again, djm at djmotri.com. Let us know your name, your company, your services, and which guests you are interested in partnering with. As an approved partner, you will have exclusive access to our network and have first opportunity at future partnerships as well. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to join us on the next episode of the Black Equity Podcast.